0: Welcome back to Arts About.
1: show about art, but uh, still about art, I suppose. Still what?
0: Yeah, it is. I've nearly
1: forgotten what to say.
0: Oh, it's been too long, John. It's been too long. Welcome back to Arts, everybody. You are here in the Bendigo Bank studio today with uh, Sally, Mark and John for another week of... Stuff that we're interested in
1: Mark was here, he's just nicked out to get up a vasectomy
0: <laughs> Okay <laughs> Very, very, very good We hope um, uh, So th- we're glad to have you back to another week Of uh, Arts you. About and to our Beginning of our new season Which we hope is going to have a little bit of Extra stuff for you on the RPP website Including a few pictures and videos About some of the things we're going to be talking to you about On the program in the future And hopefully a little bit more than that Radio's going through some big shifts lately in the move to the wider world of digital, and RPP is in it with both hands, thanks to the dedication and hard work of some of the tireless RPP family, notably Steve Myers and the indefatigable, I had to stumble, station manager Brendan Telfer. And it means we're going to be presenting a few different things on the radio program audio stream that you're used to adding vision when we can from events and interviews so as always check into our facebook page which i will update regularly with the events and pictures that we of things that we've been talking about but also have a look at the radio stations website over the next few weeks months and see us evolve as usual, on Art's About, we're focusing on and talking about art that interests us and hopefully you too, happening locally and also further afield. John, what are you going to be on about this week?
1: Well, as usual, something nothing to do with art. Right. Although that's not quite true. But uh, I'm interested in a moment in uh, colonial history, colonial Australian history. Yeah. And I uh, thought I might describe it. It's a very interesting moment, I think.
0: Okay, good. You're not going to tell us what it is?
1: No. Well, yeah. not till I do.
0: Yeah, okay, fair enough. And what about you, Mark? Have you got something scintillating for us after uh, your yes, time so, away?
2: Well, I will we'll talk about a little bit about art uh, at the show at the MPRG, which is um, both good and bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm going to talk about a little bit about gender dysphoria as well.
0: Oh, well, interestingly, because I'm I'm mentioning somebody with a little what you might describe as that a little in a minute. Mm -hmm. Um, But first up, coming up on the show today, we're going to be talking to Virginia Dowser, who has been on the show several times. She's one of the creative minds behind Melbourne Fashion Week, which opens on the 28th of this month she's a stylist and a futurist and she has a knack for recognizing and representing the current zeitgeist in her work and today she's going to be talking to us about the capsules she's creating in the CBD that give us a snapshot of what is happening in the world of fashion in Melbourne right at this moment. First up uh, There's going to be a lot, there's been a lot I should say, going on at the top end recently. The Gama Festival has just concluded. The annual celebration of the Northeastern Arnhem Land and the cultural inheritance of the Yolngu people, which is aimed at sharing knowledge and culture and you may have heard and seen things about that in the news and on the television. And also the Telstra National Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Art Awards um, that are held in Darwin each year have just announced their winner of the most prestigious in Art Award, Jambawa Marwali uh, AM from Yilper in East Arnhem Land takes home the coveted prize that attracts over 280 entries from around the country. If you're heading up that way, um, the shortlisted and winning works from that prize are displayed at the Museum uh, and Art Gallery of the Northern Territory uh, until November the 3rd. And getting back to uh, gender dysmorphia, I think uh, acclaimed Filipino and Wiradjuri woman Mojo Juju has just won both album and song of the year at the uh, 2019 National Indigenous Music Awards uh, with her album Native Tongue, which was released about a year ago, addressing her identity and boldly stated mission as a queer woman of colour to claim her place in Australian culture. So here's her title track from the album Native Tongue. I'm going to get to it in one second and press play. From the 28th of August to the 5th of September, Melbourne Fashion Week takes over the city with more than 150 events celebrating the best in Australian fashion and features the country's top labels in workshops, talks, parties, exhibitions, films, retail experiences and free fashion events all over the, all over the city. And there are capsules. To give us an idea of what they are and what we might find inside these things popping up over in in Melbourne in their most visible spaces over the city centre is Virginia Dowser, creative stylist and friend of the show and curator of four of those six capsules. Good morning, Virginia. Thanks for taking the time to chat with us today. Thank you so much for
3: having me back.
0: You must be extraordinarily busy in the run-up to the imminent opening in a couple of weeks.
3: (laughs) It's actually really beautiful to see the city of Melbourne have... Um, open these capsules up in fact two two and a bit more weeks before Fashion Week starts. So it means that they are out and about already and they're advertising Fashion Week as a whole, um, Melbourne Fashion Week. And we've had the time and the space to be able to install them without a big rush on for the opening. So that's actually been a really kind of relaxing experience beautiful
0: experience. <laughs> a little bit different to, oh, have we just lost you? No, we haven't. You still there? Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Um, that's really an unusual experience in the fashion world. That's always seems to me it's a little bit like uh, restaurant kitchens. It's rush, 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 rush and and it's this this urgency to that final line. That's
3: right. It, it always is and I, I, I kind of try to make sure because I do believe that fashion is art, real fashion is art, but I try to approach this as if I'm dealing with artists and I think that you don't need to pressurise artists and when you're showing artists work, in fact, it doesn't really matter whether you're showing something that they have done or whether you're showing something that they have just done. So if you go and see Picasso, for example, you're just happy that you're seeing Picasso's work. It doesn't matter which period he painted it in. And um, I have that approach so that if people, so people aren't pressurised by deadlines, and they're also not pressurised by if they've got something else going on, or if they're overseas that they have to actually be here for it. Um, I'd rather their work was involved in some way that we can work around than them having to kind of really stress and 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 feel that they can't. Take their residency in France, for example, because they they have to do
0: they're committed to this installation. So it is an installation, and it's interesting to me because I know, having known your work and, and the kind of things that you have done over the years, you've often worked with photographers and uh, um, and created these extraordinary two D images. But this is a three D image. Uh, well, it's a, it's it's an exhibit. How has this this idea how how um, this collaboration that you have created come together?
3: Well, it's actually really perfect and I feel like I've done a full circle with what I have done personally. So I studied design at RMIT, but then I, um, well, one of my very first jobs was at the Victorian Albert Museum in London where I styled exhibitions and that was under a curator who was there called Rosemary Harden who's at the Bath Museum of Costume and she was a really fantastic boss and taught me a lot about museums and a lot about um, curatorial side of things and also textiles and dress and so when I got back to Melbourne in the early 90s I, there wasn't, uh, the NTB was closing for renovation um, at that time they didn't really have a huge fashion component to their collection and um, the fashion collections were based in Sydney at the powerhouse. And um, and so I started to shoot um, stills and, uh, because that was really the only thing that was available in Melbourne at the time. So just kind of adapted to my environment. And throughout time, that has kind of come back to me and it really is my first love. So I've been pushing for it for some time, some time and it takes a little while to... To come back to it. So I was lucky enough that City of Melbourne approached me. They worked at the time and still do with an incredible um, creative production house called Moss Design, who I worked with on these concepts and creative concepts. And um, once I start to kind of have a look at who is around and about in the state of Victoria, I then pull together artists, designers and makers who are on the same kind of journey, if you like. And once I do that, I can see very clearly where they should be and how they should be shown.
0: Yeah, well... We've had you on the show in the past talking about a couple of the exhibitions that were in the Swanson Room, I think, at the Town Hall a couple That's of years fun. ago. So I, I, I guess this is part of the of that evolution. And then of, now, of course, you've migrated to outdoors, and um, it's it's very interesting to me looking at the pictures because I haven't seen them yet. But looking at the photographs, it, they seem to be almost this wonderful cross between commerce and exhibit which is I know what you have talked about a lot because they look like shop windows in some respects and yet but they're not attached to any any sort of the, the commerce that's behind them like you know like the merchant side of things so it's this cross between fashion and art I think would well, to my mind that you've been talking about for some time
3: That's right and I I think that It's a... What I try and do is show things that haven't been shown before or Mm -hmm. show people's work that really I do consider to be fashion and not clothing. Yep. Um, So, the, for example, the um, exhibition at the Town Hall, which is in the Visitor's Hub of the Town Hall on the corner of Swanson Street and Little Collins, is was the directive was to be retail driven Yeah. so in that I was quite adamant and you know the discussion went on for some time about how do we show retail and show people new and wonderful and fashion and not clothing that they can go into a store and see that they can walk down you know as you say the street and see it actually in the shop window already and how do we differentiate between the Melbourne Fashion Festival and what's out there already, given it is a retail show, yeah. a, a retail festival, and so I had an idea that we would partner um, denim houses or or designers of denim pieces with an artist, designer, and maker, and they would then customise the piece, the existing piece, and make it their own. Um, And and we've got this really amazing, beautiful collection of eight artists, designers, makers who've produced wearable art out of eight retailers of of denim. And it's a gorgeous um, piece because it's really identifying that we all want to be individual, that we want to be sustainable, that we want to repurpose, that we want to have things have a life after their original Life and um, and it's actually a really beautiful exhibit.
0: That's yet to open, I believe.
3: That one is already in.
0: Oh, is it? Is it? Yeah, okay. in
3: already. Um, the one, oh yes, that's in the Visitor's Hub of the Town Hall. The one that's outside the Town Hall um, maps all of the six individual capsules around town and gives a map as to uh. where they are. And that piece is a very conceptual piece, and you stand in it. And it looks like you're wearing this incredible um, couture um, costume of flowers. So you can turn up in jeans and a T-shirt, and with, with just within a second you can look like you're dressed in this incredible piece, couture piece.
0: And I saw another beautiful photograph this morning of the one that's outside the Southern Cross uh, building, uh, uh, terminal. Um, here comes the fun with the inimitable work of the Huxleys um, <laughs> inside of it, as well as, I believe, the artwork from a girl who's a local girl from the Mornington Peninsula, Marley Sampson. Is that correct?
3: That's correct. And she's a really beautiful artist, very young, 21, I believe. And her work is done in texture. And it's hyper-colour and takes hours and hours to colour in. And you wouldn't even... Believe. It looks more like it's been screen-printed than and coloured in texta. but She's a beautiful artist and she lives in Flinders actually and she, she's um, freely available to look at on Instagram, Mar- Marley Art. And, um, and her work she's exhibited on the peninsula before um, and but her work is so delicate so full of fun and vibrancy that it fitted and connected with this exhibition so well and um, moss designs were there at the ready with her work that I'd that I'd been down to collect, and um, we were talking about um, we were talking about her work, and and they suggested that we blow it up and print it on almost like a contact and put it on the windows as if it's a stained glass window because it's kind of familiar colours to that um, graphic kind of stained glass windows and and all of the colours are surrounded in a black outline. So it worked really beautifully and we've installed that and and it really is... um, it really is something to
0: see. It most certainly is. It looks really extraordinary. And it features the work of, and I'd like to ask you about, the Huxleys, who I know mm. you're particularly, you're a big fan of their work, as, as am I, actually. Um, and uh, I think maybe they you had them involved, you had them in one of the exhibits last year as well, I think.
3: Um, yeah. Tell us about them. <laughs> They're a big favourite, and we've had them involved for um maybe three years now. Right. Um and I love I love what they do because they really lead it's they're costume designers and performing artists, but within that they have got a depth of knowledge of fashion that's so acute that they refer to that in their costume and actually their leaders. So they actually do lead fashion with a lot of their costumes and this Two of them, a couple, they're a couple, and they always make two outfits, even if they're identical. So, in this, um, exhibition at the Southern Cross, we've got two identical outfits, which are, um, like coral king outfits, and the symbol on their head is the symbol of the God of Nature. And it's a, it's a statement, even though, um, You know, it's a very beautiful um, exhibition to have a look at, and it is very futuristic, and it's looking into the future. It's also looking back at nature and what we need around us, and celebrating that. And so, the Huxleys' work, yes, always ahead, always inspirational, always fun, and they kind of bring joy and delight to so many people. With their um, with their performances with their costumes, that it just seemed fitting again game to have them in this exhibit.
0: Tell me, do you think, is Melbourne a vibrant fashion community?
3: It really is. It really is. And there's... Excuse me, that's my phone. Um, it really is, and it's very... Um, look, I find with what's happening at the moment that there is I know that um, I think Zara has just announced they're going to be um, zero waste and 100% environmentally friendly by 2020, at the end of 2020. I think, I I haven't done my full research on Mm them. But it's um, these these people that will lead fashion and lead um, what's going on and then there'll be clothing stores that sell and have a responsibility to to the environment, as do the people that leave fashion. Um, However, in Melbourne, and I think I've spoken to you about this before, but we seem to be that forgotten city that big brands have forgotten. So if you wanted to become a big brand and be sponsored and get a backup, you would have had to leave Melbourne and go and live in Sydney, at least Sydney potentially overseas as well. Now, that's always been something that hasn't been such a great thing for our designers but now we fast forward to 2020 and the designers were based in the city of Melbourne and in the surrounding of the state of Victoria uh, have already been kind of working away in their little showrooms, selling to different people gathering their own audience and their own clientele which which is not big They, they work either by themselves in isolation or with one or two interns or assistants and this is actually now the future because of what's happening environmentally and because it's not sustainable to produce so many pieces of clothing. So we find ourselves in this, when we've kind of always been a bit behind, we found ourselves at actually ahead um, of this idea, this concept, this want, global want. And that's a really um, fantastic thing. So as a result of that, we have these hubs of creativity that have been working away for a long time on their own already. And these these people are becoming very well known now because people, the majority of people are seeking these people mm. out now, whereas before they didn't. Well, it's
0: wonderful because in, in some respects with these capsules that, we're, that are part of Fashion Week this time, you're giving us a little curated taste of some of those amazing artists. Um, now, I know that, that we've got a couple of weeks until the main Fashion Weeks opens, but already there are some of your work in glass boxes in the centre of the CBD right now, aren't there? Yeah, these
3: three that I've done, um, there is one in Collins Place, which is a big kind of vacuous space and I really love it it's brutalist architecture but it's um it, it's a very busy space so we decided um, to put our mannequins up on poles a little like Kate Miller Heike in Eurovision on the poles and um, that has been a huge success people they were kind of they're looking over the void and, and kind of almost taking care of people and we're, we're calling them the fashion angels <laughs> and then there's Sorry. No, that's good. That's yes. I'm sorry. Yeah, they're, they're beautiful and um, made to measure, and millinery involved in that one. Um, then there is the visitors hub, which is the collaboration between the denim houses and artist designers makers for wearable art and um, and repurposing. Um, and then there is Southern Cloth. Which is just for fun Which is what we've been talking about And also features augmented reality Which is a really incredible um, New digital tool that you can use So Amazing. you print on um, garments And you download the app And in particular you download the iJack app For um, your security And then you can look at her work through your phone And it, uh, it moves, moves around And it's actually incredible and I'll show you that. But you can do that on-site. It doesn't take um, long to download. And the details are actually on-site. So I'm running out of time, Virginia.
0: Sorry. That's okay.
3: That's okay Yes So
0: so what, what I'm going to do Is I'm going to make a link On our Facebook page For our listeners To uh, to perhaps go and Search through the program And see a little bit More about that I'm going to try and um, uh, Get up there soon too And have a look And maybe get some Pictures of it That we might be, be able To put on the station Website Um But for our listeners, Melbourne Fashion Week opens on the 28th of August, and if you go to their website, you'll find out all sorts of things. I'm sorry to cut you short, Virginia. Thank you so much for talking to us today on Arts About.
3: Oh, thank you so much for having me.
0: It's really, really exciting work. Uh, Thanks again.
3: Uh, Take care. Thank you, Sally. Bye-bye.
0: Okay, so I think we probably should go to a couple of ads, and then we're going to come back with... uh, John, on
1: okay. Thank you, electronic version of Peter Swan.
0: Mm, I think we hope we get him back soon.
1: Mm. Um, when Australia was uh, a, a penal colony, mm-hmm. you know, we all know that they came out here in the ships. They left England uh, when they left England. Uh, it was around the time of the, uh, the Enlightenment. The Enlightenment and uh, the Uh, There was enlightened people all over Europe, mainly in France, Mark, and uh, they had a new version of how to consider the world, really. Uh, But there weren't many enlightened men on the first fleet when it came out to Australia, but there was, however, one Mm -hmm. in particular... Uh, a man called Watkin Tench. And oh, yes. You'd know about Watkin Tench. Yes. Lots of people know about Watkin Tench. But uh, he at least uh, was a uh, somewhat of a Renaissance man. He was a painter and drawer. He kept a journal, a very good journal, uh, which was published, uh, and another one that he wrote when he got back to England. And he had a slightly different attitude to what was going on in the colony when they all first got here. And uh, one of the things that interested me and that I'll tell you about mm-hmm. was that uh, they, um, Governor Philip decided that they needed to have a local person, a uh, an Eora person, to come and live with them in Sydney Cove so that they could either teach that person English or they could learn his language and there could be some sort of interaction between the two people, two different types of people. And... Um, but they didn't know how to lure someone t- there, so they went across to Manly and they pretty well lassoed this young bloke and uh, got him on. He was hard to catch because they... they um, he didn't want to go. Yeah, and they, had, they used to cover themselves with fish oil to keep the insects off them. Oh, so, really? So, so he, he was actually was slippery as well. <laughs> it, was a, it was a bit of a greasy pig chase, I think. And they, but eventually they got him and they lashed him to a thwart in the boat and... Took him screaming back to Sydney Cove, where uh, they handcuffed him, or, or you know, tied him up and kept him in a room. He, the poor young thing, was horrified by everything that was happening to mm,
2: him.
0: Of course,
1: but he liked the food, and um, he started to relax after a little while. And uh, what content was his! Um, it was the person who was looking after him essentially and trying to sort of garnish some of his language and uh he wrote quite a lot about him and what a sort of a terrific fellow he was you know um and a kind of muscular not tall but muscular handsome man with one tooth missing where well, they used to knock a tooth out so that they knew where they were from uh and then they decided, well, what we might do is just take him on a bit of a journey. So they got on that little vessel they had there. I think it was the supply. They planned a trip up. They're going to sail up the coast to Broken Bay. And mm-hmm. they took this young fellow with them, whose name was Aberuni. I think. Arabanu, hmm And they, they got Arabinu onto the boat, and they headed off up the harbour. Uh, he was released from his ropes or manacles whatever they'd had on him and um they got to the heads to Port Jackson heads and this is where it gets interesting for me because unbeknown to the fellows on the ship uh, the uh Eora people considered their world to be the coast of New South Wales and what was behind it and that world was kind of existing in a linear sense, like time, mm-hmm. was moving to the west and leaving behind it the ocean out to the east. And the ocean out to the east was where the past was. That's,
0: oh yes. OK.
1: That's where everything that had already happened was deposited out there in the ocean. And so when the ship started heading out through the heads,
0: <gasps> he thought it was young going back in time. thought
1: that these time lords had got them on the time machine were taking him into the past. And he didn't want to go. So he went over the side. Um, and what contention describes these men as? he said, they were beautiful swimmers, but what they'd do is they would disappear under the water. They'd take a large lungful of air. They'd disappear under the water and through a, some kind of machination of their arms and legs would propel themselves forwards and then their head would bop up. Somewhere, and they'd take another breath of air, so swimming underwater, essentially. Mm. He went off the side of the ship, uh, but he was dressed in Western clothes or European clothing, and his style of swimming just didn't work in clothes. But he did, however, know that that part of the harbour was absolutely full of bull sharks. Um, But they roped him up again. They sent a little boat over, and they chased him and caught him, pulled him him on the boat and got him back on the ship. But they, at least they didn't take him out the heads. They pulled him back. They, they went back in. They went, I think, up to up the, um, some other part of the harbour and had a mm-hmm. look around. But they described him as that act as an act of cowardice. Uh, and I don't think so. I no, think it was think... an act of extreme bravery yeah, myself. Yeah, <laughs> quite. Right. Yeah. What
0: an amazing, amazing
1: And they, in fact... um Story they qualified the, all of the local people as being cowards as a result of his behaviour. It wouldn't go out the heads in a ship too afraid of the ocean, too afraid of the past, Mark. When, when did they realise that, th- that for them it was
2: like going into the past? Was that
1: until much later? None of them did they, they, until much later, you know, like when uh, the what was left of the Eora um, started to talk about the, their world and how they saw it, mm. you know, it was maybe in, sometime in the 20th century. You know. so it's fascinating,
0: isn't it, because they're the ones, they were the, the Europeans were the ones that thought they had a, were broad-minded and, and so on, and in fact right. they just kind of completely misunderstood no, this. It's
2: another perfect example of the complete misunderstanding between the misconceptions between... Yes. Um, the the white people and the local
1: people. it's interesting to me that they saw the coastline of New South Wales as heading west westward yes. mm. away from the Pacific, which in fact it is, at about uh, five millimeters a year yeah. or something. You know?
0: <laughs> Very slowly, but yes, indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Thanks, John. That's it?
1: That's it, Mark. Perfect. Yeah, what do you got?
0: Hey, what have you got, Mark?
1: Well, I, I saw a bit
2: of art, as apparently you did as well, John. Yep. It's called the uh, steel art architectural design from yeah. the Jam Factory.
1: I'm a big fan of That's steel the, things. Yep. It's a very good show.
2: Um, oh,
0: is it at it the is a good show, yeah. yeah, great. It's a, it's a,
2: and the catalogue that I brought is even better. It's a really well-made catalogue explaining the way things are made and where the, their ideas are coming from. It's quite well done. Doesn't seem to be full of um, rubbish, like so many can. It's quite logical. It's
0: looking at the way that steel's being used in the in a, by designers and architects in the twenty-first century yes. and artists. Yeah. You're right.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think it doesn't go into the past. It's mostly just contemporary. Contemporary, mm-hmm. right. But uh, next door, there's an Aboriginal pottery show, mm-hmm. which is um, really not good at all, unfortunately. I don't know who curates it. I don't really want to know. Uh, it's like walking to a tourist information centre in Weeper or somewhere. Yeah, else. yeah well, it,
1: I think what happens there is that when uh, when Europeans first found that. Um, Indigenous people were making art on bark or on the ground or whatever. They set up art uh, kind of communities for them to paint on canvas with little dots of paint and stuff. And and it was really a commercial exercise. And the ceramics are just a matter of them saying, well, why don't we make some ceramics as well? Mm. And uh, visually, the result is just one of uh, Aboriginal mark-making with a lot of Western interference, And there's quite a bit of uh, sort of
2: folkloric drawings of people on horses. Yeah, well, that's the same thing. Yeah, Yeah, it's It's just really... um, Is it
0: Hermansburg? Have they got Hermansburg work in there? Uh, Do they? I don't know. Some
1: of it's quite beautiful. All of it is very carefully and um, patiently and skillfully made. Yeah. But... The smell of <laughs> interference is what spoiled it for yeah, but me.
0: I, Yeah, but I think that we actually really need to be reconsidering our conceptions about all of that because it, absolutely, as you say, that these art centres that have been set up around the place have been uh, are, are commercial ventures and they're, um, they're, it, it is a collaboration between different cultures mm-hmm. but what it's what they're doing is enabling uh, indigenous populations to interact with uh, an industry that already exists that it, that operates in the country and do their thing and I have to say I've seen some of that Ernabella pottery and certainly the Hermansburg pottery I really love it I oh, know
2: there's some very and, very good and pieces and it's
0: whether or not you should be looking at it with and saying this is indigenous art or whether you should be looking at it and just saying this is art
2: well it's being presented as, as indigenous art I so know but I think I think pure. that
0: that's I think that, that that's okay, where but, the uh, but, difficulty but your point is a good eyes.
2: one. Your, your point mm. is a very good one. It is true that there's a wonderful way for people to be, to be, um, become part of the art world in a yeah. way. But once again, it's like in any... Anybody who's involved in the art world, there has to be some sort of critical juncture where you're you're seen or you're said no, you, you can't be seen. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're all dealing with this problem, and it just sometimes it's a little bit too generous in its inclusivity. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's, it's fortunately the show next door is a, is a very well made one. Mm, I think um, so. I, there's pieces like, um, did you see the little guy? It's a, an espresso uh, coffee pot, which is um, it actually works it was quite difficult to make, and it's quite a beautiful object. I imagine object. it was
1: difficult. I think it was all probably quite difficult to make. Well, some <laughs> more than others, but it's,
2: it's, it's worth seeing. It's mm, okay, so that's steel.
1: That's steel in the steel show.
2: Yes, yeah, on at until the of 29th of yeah,
0: September. I like those two
1: big panels with creases in them, rusted steel yeah. and galvanised steel. There's a pair of them, one yeah. galvanised, one rusted, and uh, they're long kind of um, rectangles with crease creases through them, like you would get a crease through cotton perhaps, or something like mm-hmm. that and mm. uh, they're quite beautiful there's also lorraine
2: Connolly northy who's a very good artist she's uh, an aboriginal she does a lot of barbed wire work <laughs> Uh, there's a piece mm-hmm. from, 19, from uh, 2013, the, um, which is called Possum Skin Cloak. It's quite a beautiful piece. I've seen it before. So it's a show definitely worth going oh, to okay. see. okay. I'll
0: have to go in there. Mm.
2: Now, um, I don't know if you saw that Miley Cyrus has left her surfer boy. For oh, a, how
0: could you miss that? It's a, on a the front page of absolutely <laughs> everything at the moment.
2: Brilliant. I think it's lovely. So I wanted to speak a little bit about gender dysphoria, which has yes. nothing to do with Miley Cyrus. But from now on, you can call me Z or her or even shim
0: pronouns because i've decided
2: shim yeah i made that one up as i've decided i'm a girl and i'm going to join the rosebud girls beach volleyball team yes because apparently as kevin roberts the ceo of cricket australia and a sandpaper manufacturer said every person in australia has a fundamental right to play girls beach volleyball and cricket Mm, that's a little abrasive it is a little brazen. John, well done. <laughs> the, the, um, did you hear about in Canada how the, there's a beauty salon that has been closed because the um, uh, transgender person wanted to have their... Um, they were still complete. It was a man turning into a woman. Had, he wanted to have his genitals um, waxed and the woman running the... said, no, I'm sorry, you're, you're still a man. And so he took her to court and she closed down her business and they're now in court to his... Um, uh, taking it
1: for, for
2: um, not running. serving
0: him, not serving him. That out.
1: kind of thing happens occasionally, doesn't it? There was a cake that was refused. Someone, yes, it's a, it it's a tough
2: or, one. But that means it's, in sport, it's going to be very interesting to see how how that works. The, well, with yes, athletics yes. The fact that these people, some men, can call themselves women and just go and compete against.
0: Well, it's uh, very complex. It's not a simple. No. it's not simple. No, and you know, if you're in the middle of it. And I think you'll... Well, we are a, going to be in a little of yeah. It's
2: happening more and more. For example, in Victoria, 2,415 2, children were referred for medical gender treatment in the last four years. Yep. The Victorian government has promoted transgenderism among children as part of its Safe Schools curriculum. <clears throat> it produced a politically correct language guide for the public sector, criticising heteronormative terms such as husband or wife. Uh, and... Having gender-neutral pronouns such as z or "her," mm-hmm. so uh, I don't know whether you want to use any of these things. Any of these these two, 2,415 children under um, undergoing gender engineering, which is perhaps not absolutely necessary. Um, research a lot on long-term effects of hormone therapy and pu- puberty blockers is scarce. But gender confusion is a subject rarely broached, as is the the latent femininity in men. Mm -hmm. We're not talking about these things at all. Transgenders have a large suicide rate, infertility and hormone problems. Uh, um, Many cannot orgasm. And the self-regard all this entails, beyond the pleasure of dressing up, is so time-consuming and full of complaint, one wonders that perhaps there are more important mysteries in life.
0: Well that's fair enough for you to say, but I think if you were somebody who deeply believed that they that they there was something wrong with them and uh, in their or a sexual orientation and it was making a terrible impact on your life which I'm, I believe it does then you may try anything but I, I think it's a little bit like that's the refugee argument is that people don't do it don't take these decisions make these decisions lightly. Well I think
2: some of the children It's not, it's they, not they, something you know, flippant. I, I think some of them are perhaps a little bit over influenced by the, by the internet uh, Yes maybe. I think yes. it's uh, you know, we all had some sort of confusion about our sexuality at some stage and, that, yep. and that it's something that you do You're know, the fact that you you want to go to the other side it just seems such an effort it's such an incredible
0: um, mm.
1: one would think time. that um, part of the ambition for people is that they achieve some kind of happiness or stability peace. in their life or peace mm. and it would seem that they're not
2: well no this is this is the thing that there is there, there are many people who want to come back to what they normally were but once again, it comes to the idea of identity and how is it? Why is it that identity is so important for so many people? Yeah. Whereas before, it wasn't that there was this, you know, there was this sort of consensus that we were whatever your sexuality or you, you, you kept it to yourself. Basically, I mean, you did share it with others, but you didn't have to. You didn't have to be um, make it obvious to everybody.
1: Well, we've always, we've all enjoyed cross-dressing in the past, Mark. yeah. No, it's particularly great. I you.
2: It's, uh, I think it's something that men should be able to do, but whether it has to be uh, public...
0: Surgical. Well, but why should it not be? That's a value judgment that you're placing on things. Maybe why... why? Because it
1: causes problems that wouldn't otherwise be caused is one reason. If if you're looking for reasons to not do it, I think there are lots of reasons to do it, Mm. but there are also reasons to not do it. And that's why people have to think about it and they have to be very, very serious about their... um, their desires and why uh, health professionals have to spend a lot of time talking to them and figuring out whether or not, how the balance in the end will sort itself out. It's also
2: the consequences of the hormonal therapy and the fact that there's a, it does really mess, mess you up physically and the, you know, the, just the time involved. The, right. Extraordinary. Anyway. Mm. That's um, going to be apparently. So uh, the, the government is looking into it because there um, there are many problems with people um, perhaps making the wrong decision.
0: Yes, I'm sure that that's mm. probably true.
2: Mm. So now, just to finish off next yes. week, I mm-hmm. want you to think about what you. What is the greatest
1: invention in, in, uh man has ever made?
2: Oh, woman. okay. We're going to have a talk um,
0: about that next week. Yes, as so, I,
1: Mark asked me that during the week, and as I pointed out, I think probably the wheel, invented by the Greeks. Or. The other three invented by the Italians. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well,
2: the, the, you know, the first one, which is apparently – I'll just give you a, run, a quick run-up. The first one yeah. is fire, which is actually not an invention.
0: It's, it's a discovery, the, it's surely. The
2: control of fire, which is the, the invention. But it had an yeah. enormous, as we spoke about months ago, effect on our eating, basically. It was so much easier for us to, to digest because of cooked food. Right. Yeah. But the second one was the wheel, mm-hmm. but that was made for pottery, which is interesting in the, yeah, the aboriginal It wasn't until three centuries mm-hmm. later that they actually put it onto a chariot.
0: And pushed it along. And
2: pushed it, and then we haven't stopped going. Used to it the to move things. The, the yeah. third one you'll never guess, ever, Oh,
0: okay. The third well.
2: one is a nail. Oh, yeah. Oh. Invented by the Egyptians. Keep buildings together.
0: Wow. Mm. Well, we can't talk about it next week, can we? Well, we
2: can. I've got lots of others for you. Don't worry. Okay.
0: All right, no. then. That sounds great. Well...
1: Um, ah I remember this Hark This is where Mark and I Display our unpreparedness
0: Yeah this is ab- That's absolutely right And they pick up my script <laughs> That I have laboured over For hours and hours and hours And sound as if they've never seen Well they never have seen This stuff before Yes so of course It is time for the news And there's various things going on um, There is the eight. Peace, local women's singing group called Lingmara, who I don't think we've ever had them on before, but um, we've talked about them before. They're having their annual wine, women and song event titled Land at Hickenbotham of Dramana next Friday, the 23rd of August. A portion of their ticket sales is going to go to help supporting Australian communities suffering from the drought uh, through the, their chosen uh, charity called Drought Angels. You can get tickets by going to their Facebook page or you can have a look at our page because I've put a link to the event on our Facebook Page. They're fantastic uh, a cappella choir. Wonderful.
1: Melbourne Fringe Festival's fast approaching, beginning on the 12th of September. There are lots of things going on, uh, and uh, they're going on all over Melbourne. Uh, to get yourself out of your comfort zone, Sally's producing a show at the ESPY this year with yes. Glenn Manton. Uh, put Your Damn Phone Down. And Glenn's been banging on about this for a while, hasn't he? He
0: has. Well, he wrote a book some time ago uh, it's called Put Your phone, Damn Phone Down. He does a lot of uh, talking at, at all around the country, actually, but often to young people. Right. And one of his big things is he's encouraging them to... Re- to communicate otherwise is, yeah. you know where they're so driven as are we all we're all driven towards the phone and communicating online and so on and uh we really need a bit of eye-to-eye contact. Didn't
2: you say your son, who's 21, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of his friends don't have phones? It's
0: true, yes. Young people are moving away from it, yes. I like that. Yes. So uh,
2: Melbourne Fashion Week opens across Melbourne in, in a myriad of forms on August 28th. You've heard a lot about that on the beginning of the show. And you can see the wonderful work of Virginia Dowser in several glass capsules in the CBD.
0: Yeah, um, steel, you talked about that just before. It's on at the NPRG yes, until MRPG, the 29th. Yes,
2: that's 29th September. Do yourself a favour. Yeah.
0: Well, the exhibition includes 29 artists, designers and architects from across Australia and brings together products, projects and works of art reflecting the current preoccupations with steel within contemporary art, design and architecture. In Australia. That's their little yeah, good show. blurb Definitely about it. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And has, have either of you seen Serial on no. A, a, a McClelland? No, 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 not yet. No, I haven't seen that either. Well, Serial explores the significance of the series in contemporary artistic practice, practice featuring new acquisitions and works from the McClelland's permanent collection the exhibition looks at the fluid relations between part and whole process and product so i guess that's looking at retrospective like over an artist's life work why don't we just say that
2: yes (laughs) Uh, who knows what it means really
0: yeah okay well we probably better go along and have a look at it um anything else that we should be telling people about what else have you seen we've got a couple of minutes left
1: i was interested to hear virginia dowser talking about those glass boxes that they've set up all around melbourne About uh, probably 30 years ago or so, uh, Eva Eden and I uh, were walking down Collins Street and all of the shops down Collins Street, not all of the shops, but a lot of the shops in Collins Street were empty and had four lease signs in the windows and uh, we got together with the Melbourne City Council and um, decided that we could put works of art into the windows in these shops. so that the artists wouldn't be paying any rent and the shops wouldn't look empty and mm-hmm. Collins Street didn't look so drab and terrible. And Melbourne City Council were delighted with the idea and they helped us set it up and they also gave us all of the little glass containers in the uh, railway subways around Flinders Street and Spencer Street. And I reckon that's where that started, actually. Yeah, maybe. yeah. And it was we, we called it art in city windows, and then it was changed to no vacancy. And uh, the Melbourne City Council actually exported it all around the world. Did to, they? Yeah, to people who had uh, as a concept to fill empty shops in during downtime. Right.
0: Okay. Well, that's yeah. exactly in a way what what's going on here. They're just they're creating uh, spaces out in the um, public arena. Yeah, and this came with
1: you, John Bett. It did. I'll claim that one.
0: That's amazing. (laughs) That is amazing. Uh, So, if you've just tuned in, you've missed starts about, but you can hear the repeat on Wednesdays at 12... We're available on air, streaming from the station web- website or the RPP phone app, and we also podcast the show that you can find by going to the station's website or checking in on our Facebook page, where you'll find more of the things that we've been talking about on the program. We'll be on again same time next week at 11am on Sunday. And remember, everybody, we may not know everything about art.
1: What do you know about Mark? Nothing. No. No. And the less I know, the more I know. Yeah. All right.
0: But we're learning about streaming, aren't we?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, streaming. Streaming, yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> Hold that thought.